Yo! Welcome to Gain It For Riffs, the only podcast about riffs. How are we doing, Jonathan? Uh, I'm doing fine, doing good. Uh, I think, uh, what is this, the third full episode that we're recording? I'm starting to feel used to this, sitting and uh, talking into a mic and... Uh, Talking about riffs, playing riffs. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, we uh, did uh, record one first episode, like a tryout, that we, we did do a full episode. I think it's over an hour. Uh, but due to some recording mishaps, it sounds terrible. Uh, maybe we'll re- uh, release it down the line, or maybe we just reenact it. Who knows? Maybe like a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like a Swedish version reenacted from this failed experiment. It could be something that, you know, a band on the decline, what they do when they put out the uh, rare tracks <laughs> or something like that. And it's old shitty demos that no one really wants to hear, but it's something to release. For sure. But, yeah, I don't know. Maybe someday you'll hear it. But anyway, on to today's episode, right? Some add-ons also, like some housekeeping from before that I, I mentioned gainitforriffs at gmail.com. And we also mentioned that it was not registered. It is now, right? Yes. Get it for riffs at gmail.com, where you can send all your ideas for riffs, or if you have something to say to us, uh, yeah, you can send it if you want. Comments, anything, you know, if you don't agree, if you agree, yeah, anything like that. And, you know, anyway, it's a good way yeah. to reach us. We are also on Instagram and Reddit as of today. Ooh. And we will see where we branch out in the future. I think the Instagram, my idea of it is that it would be some riff videos, maybe, if you want to have some visual add-ons. Um, and, yeah. You know, in learning how to play the riff or just seeing us uh, play wow. the riffs. Nice. So we will see. I have some on my private account now, so I will branch out into that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Eventually. You have to eventually. check it out. You have to check it out for sure. There's some nice riffage going on there. Some soloing also, I think, which is nothing we do in this show, of course. This is about riffs and no fucking solos. I'm, I'm quite sloppy soloist, really. I can do it with a band backing me so you don't hear all the <laughs> shit noises that come from strings <laughs> that are not supposed to be played and so forth. No. I think I have much more riff discipline than solo discipline. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe down the line when we both get better at playing, yeah, <laughs> we'll yeah. put in some solos here and I there. Love, I like I mean, leads. Why not? Like the solos, I don't know, you know, in, in a show, uh, it could sound a little bit uh, daft, I think. Just without backings or anything. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the, the, uh, the most amount of solos you'll hear in this episode. Yeah. But why don't we kick it off? I actually am very uh, excited to start okay. this episode, sure. if uh, that's okay. Yeah, I had the idea to start, but my riff is going to work as the second one out. So I'm going to give you uh, the go-ahead. All right, all right. Let's uh, uh, see if my guitar stemmer here. So I'm going to Yeah, all right, let's hear it. <laughs> Okay, what was that? Stone Cold Classic. Again, it's, uh, of course, Limelight by the Canadian super trio Rush off of the Moving Pictures album. Oh yes, yeah. oh yes, oh yes. It's uh, I had to I had to stop on the sour <laughs> on the wrong note <laughs> because otherwise I would just have continued playing because the the verse riff is also amazing and uh, I'll, I'll get back to it later. But 
for me, this this song just it, uh, I get goosebumps from hearing this riff, and the whole song is is great. Um, of course, I mean I'm playing the guitar. I think for for me this is one of Alex Liveson uh, Rush's guitarist best songs. I mean his best performance, uh, just because it it's it has uh, this amazing catchy riff, uh, and then he does the solo later on. That's just yeah, it, it's so uh, it's with a whammy bar. It's just uh, amazing. Uh, but that being said, um, uh, Rush is a trio. Like the the two other uh, musicians are equally like important. I mean, especially in this case, I think very much. Uh, so. Geddy Lee plays a really musical uh, bass line, and Neil Peart's drumming is just accentuates everything and it has it even its own riffs going on i mean we're, we're not there yet talking about drum riffs uh but yeah. Uh, yeah i mentioned i mentioned drum riffs today i had a drummer uh, i was talking to a drummer friend of mine and i mentioned drum riffs oh, yeah. and telling him that i'm not talking about fills and or or uh, even beats and he said he his face kind of turned into a question mark but he also kind of agreed <laughs> so it's still a mis- yeah. mystery for the future about that drum riff Ex- exactly, exactly. And uh, maybe Neil Peart, um, uh, Neil Peart, actually, that's how you say it. Uh, let's be correct Neil about Peart, this. Maybe okay. Neil Peart is a guy that has, you know, provided us with some drum riffs. We we have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Neil Peart, he, he died last year, unfortunately. Uh, he left us uh, a huge legacy uh, of great drumming, but also great music and great lyrics. He wrote the lyrics for this yeah. song. Lyricist of the band, um, prime lyricist. I mean, he, he yeah. wasn't there on the debut yeah. album, but uh, ever since he went in to Rush, he's been the lyricist. It's because the other guys saw him backstage, not drinking, not doing drugs, just reading books. And they thought, okay, yeah, this guy could probably <laughs> write lyrics for us because they don't particularly enjoy writing lyrics. They prefer the no. musical side of things, Alex and Getty. B- yeah, but what lyrics in this song? I mean, it is. Uh, I just think it's it's a beautiful song, and it has the, like the favorite line, uh, <laughs> the favorite lyrical line of any song for me, uh, which which comes right uh, a bit later in the song. But uh, and maybe we'll return to that. Uh, it's just, I it's very special. It means a lot to me. Um, very personal lyrics in this song. Uh, it's like straight out of. Yeah. Uh, uh, Neil's manifest, you know, or something like that. He's really he's he's mm. uh, displaying his personality in a very um, exposed manner in in these lyrics. Yeah. So he uh, he he the the lyrics convey his uh, uh, reluctance of being a, a star uh, and being recognized by everyone, while he is very uh, more uh, he enjoys a secluded life where he can. Uh, do his own things. So, uh, yeah, the stardom, the superstardom that Rush uh, reached it. Uh, well, he, he didn't uh, quite take to it as well as the other members, and uh, he wrote these lyrics conveying that. And uh, yeah, I think uh, in in his case, a secluded life uh, maybe it's not possible because he's so into the idea of uh, drumming, and of course, you want to drum in front of big audiences. But he still kind of kept yeah. a life of integrity and uh, privacy in a way. And um, on tour, he was uh, very early on and for the entirety of his career since, he had these hobbies, like tour hobbies, where he would uh, be biking around Mm. first on a normal bicycle and then on a motorbike to cover more ground. He would go to uh, 
all these national parks. He tried to hit every national park in a certain area of the States, for example, over the time when they were oh, yeah. touring, just to get out of the limelight, basically, and enjoy life. Yeah, yeah for sure. And I, I think uh, in, in limelight, uh, Geddy Lee also does his best performance singing-wise. I think it's... It's just so heartfelt. And I, I wanted to get back to this. My favorite line is, uh, uh, well, it it, it comes, it, uh, it, goes, it goes like this, uh, the, the whole section. Uh, Living in a fisheye lens, caught in the camera eye. I have no heart to lie. I can't pretend a stranger is a long-awaited friend. Mm. And just how he sings that. Uh, it's, my hair is standing so up good. from that one because that was my yeah. favorite part too, the, about, the part about uh, pretending a stranger is a long-awaited friend. It's okay. very well phrased, I must say. I don't have uh, this feeling like he does. I, I quite enjoy actually conversations with strangers. And, uh, but still, he explains it so well, so there's no a shadow yeah. of doubt that this is the way he feels. No. This is the way he... Uh, yeah, perceives uh, his existence. Yeah, but I mean, at that point in the song, you're so in tune with the uh, with uh, with the music and the lyrics that I mean, you 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 kind of have to agree with everything he says because it's just like it's so honest, it's so great, and uh, and I think they they are really like you know storytellers, sometimes uh, sci-fi storytellers, sometimes a bit more fantastical. But I mean, when they get do this down to earth. Uh, lyrics when he writes these lyrics and w with like you know relatable subjects yeah I, th I think that's a, it's a bigger challenge right both you and me we've tried to write yeah. the lyrics from time to time and I think it's yeah. rather easy to stay very topical and and uh, in guess, I guess other worlds but uh, to write lyrics that is uh, centered around your world and your existence is much harder in my opinion mm. yeah I wanted to just broach one more riff in this song. It's actually uh, when uh, after the first verse, which has uh, uh, which is great, but I, we shouldn't go into the whole song. But it's just when uh, uh, Alex guitar when it plays the same uh, line as Geddy's bass line. It's just like when it comes out of the uh, out of the verse and it. Uh, it sounds like this. I mean, it's very cool. What the fuck? It's so good. It's, it's so good, and this it's and amazing. These riffs are kind of uh, they are major, as far as I my. Theoretical mm. knowledge can tell, so it's kind of you know it's hard to write uh, heavy riffs because they're somewhat heavy, and it's hard to write that in major and make it sound uh, cool. Yeah. Oh, for sure, it's uh, it, but it's it's so much going on in this song. I mean, we could uh, to start. We something we have to say is that uh, it has uh, uh, some odd uh, time signature and the time sing signature changes yep, yep. going There's on. Some seven beats. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's debatable whether it's a uh, four-four that turns into a three. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like four-four <laughs> turning four. into a three-four, or actually a four-four with a yeah. three-four on top, which would be like a seven-four if you merge them, right? Yeah, and uh, that's exactly. up to any 
uh, that's up to whoever tries to interpret the song. You know, it's uh, yeah. not written in stone, so to speak. But there's definitely no. some rhythmical exercises on here, which is, you know, everyone knows that Rush is all about that kind of thing. Even though on this album, uh, Moving Pictures, I think they made an, uh, cons- uh, an effort to um, make songs a little bit more understandable, get a little bit more of the four-on-the-floor yeah. feel coming in from time to time. To uh, just, you know, um, I guess get out of the hyper nerdiness and uh, open up a little bit. And I think it worked <laughs> in their favor. It's also, it's uh, it's quite a feat to uh, make a song that has a lot of uh, signature cha- time signature changes sound so straightforward. Yeah, yeah that's Because this, that's it, it is a straightforward rock song. But actually, when you think about it, it's not. It's really yeah, yeah. advanced stuff going on. Like, it's hard to write it this is, stuff. It is, and that's how you can tell and, uh, when when uh, the guys are pros uh, because even amateurs mm. can play odd signatures but to make them uh, groove and flow in a way that doesn't sound odd then you're a pro yeah and uh, the bands like yeah. tool have also been experts on doing this uh, in a more i guess modern context and uh, i think a lot of it comes from rush in the beginning because they always they never wanted to be complex they were listening to bands like cream for example when they started so they wanted yeah. to be a rock band first and foremost the proggy part is just because mm. they like that too, I guess. Yeah, but uh, then you look at Neil Peart's uh, drums. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you start to was, question in that. In that era, <laughs> even Bill Ward had a huge, you know, drum set. <laughs> okay. You know, most stoner bands uh, subsequently have been using three-piece kits. But Bill Ward, he was still there mm. with that, you know, overblown late 70s super-duper mega kit and it was just a sign yeah. of the times, you know. It was just how it was done. If you were if you were in a big band, you had a big kit. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, it was one thing that it was a bit interesting because I, I played this uh, played a Led Zeppelin riff last week, and it has uh, it's just it's not that similar, but it has uh, two th- one thing that I, I want to um, go into, like yeah, how how this uh, riff is built up. So it starts with this kind of uh, walk up yeah. like that and uh, maybe uh, you remember last week let's see if I remember I do, I do. Yeah. yeah a bit like that uh, so so this uh, when I started riffing uh, I and when I started learning the guitar which is the same thing I started riffing yeah uh, I started noticing you know I was reading tabs and I was saying okay here's a lot of notes <laughs> Uh, after each other. Everyone has been so, okay. there. Everyone's been there, right? Yeah, yeah. How does this sound? Yeah, and, and here's notes on top of each other. So I think, okay, are you playing them at the same time? I mean, that was my, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, no music theory entrance to chords and sure, like sure. Uh, single notes. Uh, but, but I think that th- this uh, riff, it has such a good mix between the single note uh, walk-ups, uh, if you can call them that. And uh, just this uh, power chords. Uh, yeah, yeah, it has those lines, right? A uh, little bit uh, kind of bass fills li- uh, kind of lines. And uh, mm. I've never tried the riff before, but uh, I'll try and play it quickly. Let's see if I can find it. Yeah. It has that kind of flow in it, and uh, it starts on uh, the mm. fourth uh, eight note of the first beat so there's a pause of three eight notes yeah. uh, so that kind of thing is leading up to the to the one 
it's not the one. And I remember exactly. in, uh, like similar situation as you. When I started learning guitar, I thought that everything has to start on one. And when it didn't, I was very confused. And a lot of these good rock bands and, and heavy rock bands from these t- times, they play on the syncopated notes. And that was hard for me to understand. Even I couldn't wrap my head around it. I had that problem with Maiden that they often emphasize the final eighth note to get that kind of hang. And I thought the tabs were wrong. Like, obviously, you start on the one. This is, this is fucked up. <laughs> because, you know, a preface like that, it's... Yeah, when you have no theory and no, like, uh, musical skills, it's, it's a bit hard to wrap your mind around. Mm. Now you get... Uh, especially when you have... Uh, I mean, this way of playing guitar, like, on the syncopated notes, while the drummer plays just a straight 4-4... Four, four, yeah. That's really groovy without, I mean, doing too much to the drums. I mean, you can really play uh, that way as well. I mean, both both drums and guitar and bass don't have to be syncopated. I mean, you can give it, get even more feel and groove uh, if they're not. Exactly. Like a good example would be ACDC, where uh, Cliff Williams is never really syncopated. He's just pumping, pumping eight notes. But uh, most riffs from Angus and Malcolm are yeah. syncopated. Um, and that gives the the group exactly. the, the the dance to to their music makes you move. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and as we learned, I, I'm a bit like I'm wondering now. We learned from uh, <laughs> Rick Beato among among others that that playing riffs from ACDC is not a good idea <laughs> in uh, uh, in these situations. It might even be stupid to play Led Zeppelin as well. We'll see uh, because they uh, they tend to block. Uh, uh, these kind of uses, uh, which I would yeah. s- say is fair use, uh, but they block it immediately or their uh, 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 record company. Yeah, hopefully we can get some owner. slack yeah. because we are creating all the sounds ourselves, producing all the sounds ourselves. We're not playing any recorded exactly. material in this show, at least not so far and at no. least not uh, in our plans. So uh, I think that could help us a little bit. Let's yeah. see. We don't know. Yeah, but uh, or maybe we just tune down to C and play everything. <laughs> really, do, uh, drop uh, drop two I mean, times. That's a great idea. Unless, uh, uh, the fact uh, would be that it destroys the show, and that's probably. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, okay. Um, well, uh, in the context of Limelight, I, w- I was thinking about Geddy's vocals. They are um, for many a little bit hard to get into. I uh, remember and. Mm. To mention or shout out another great uh, channel, Lost in Vegas, very likable guys, mm. uh, the only reaction channel that I enjoy. And they, when they heard Limelight, they thought it was like you know a Disney princess spinning in her room, <laughs> <You know>? like, <laughs> because his the the, <laughs> the 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 very major oriented melody and his high vocals, high pitched vocals, it sounds very Disney in yeah. a way. But for me, it always worked somehow. It's just one of those voices that work. Even Dave Mustaine works for me. You know his his rat like voice. I think a unique voice can really make up for the fact that maybe um, it's um, a bit outlandish. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, this is, uh, you know, kind of... With some bands, you have to really... uh, You kind of have to practice listening to them. You know, like and and often there is one thing that brings you into the song. You know, one thing that you... uh, That you... uh, 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 attach yourself to and for me for this song and for Rush this was maybe the first song with Rush that I liked you know mm-hmm. that I really liked and I enjoy it because of the riff yeah I yeah. must say and like how 
And from there, I worked myself into the song, and then I worked myself towards you know other songs on that album, and on and on. You know, and yeah. now I'm I would say I'm a fan for sure. For me, my first Rush album was a, a live record called Exit Stage Left, and it's recorded in um, mm. um, in the touring cycles of um, Moving Pictures. So it has a lot of those songs on, and without knowing it, I think all my favorite songs on that one, at least in the beginning, uh, were off of uh, Moving Pictures. So, and Neil has mentioned that that's the real first yeah. Rush album. Like, let's let's say if we compare to Pantera from uh-huh. from, from last episode, uh, Moving Pictures <laughs> would be their Cowboys from Hell, like uh, coming into form, finding their thing. Oh, yeah. Even though the albums before are good, uh, I I'm gonna agree with Neil on that one. For sure, uh, I dropped the pick. That's not good. It's, it's totally pitch black in here. Also, there it is. And if you drop a pick, everyone knows it ends up in another dimension. <laughs> it exactly. just disappears. There's no, almost no reason to even look for it. It's gone. Do you? Uh, I, I'm actually I'm looking at my pick now. It's a one millimeter Jim Dunlop. Dunlop. Uh, with with some uh, uh, friction on it, uh, there's some small indentations here, so I can really hold it. But uh, I, I usually twirl it around my fingers. That's why I sometimes mm-hmm. I uh, I lose it. Yeah. Uh, what are you using actually? That's uh, was planning to ask you. Tortex picks, uh, Jim Dunlop, that I had made uh, when we, had, we mm-hmm. I had a band called Kinabalo, and we had a short period where we had a sponsorship from from Dunlop and MXR. So I ordered a few yeah. hundred of them. With a band logo of a band that is no longer existing, but you know, who cares? <laughs> I have a lot of picks. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> Free picks. Yeah. But uh, uh, do you? Uh, where do you keep your picks? Yeah, I keep them. In, are, you, are they just in, the floor everywhere? No, or? I keep them in. There's. I still have the plastic bags that they were sent to me in. So there's two plastic bags full ah. of picks. So uh, that's a luxury for me. If I drop one, I can just go and pick another one up and let my vacuum cleaning <laughs> remove the other ones. You know, yeah. the ones from the floor. So I'm set with picks. I was also kind of uh, was like, kind of trying uh, trying to be a leading question because I was uh, I was uh, thinking about the pickpocket on every jeans. Uh, you know that that most people don't know what it's for, but we of course know that it's for the it, pick, the small pocket on the right side, on the inside of your yeah. right front. Pocket. It makes sense because uh, all rockers used to wear jeans, right? So it makes sense that you had, you had exactly, to have a, a pickpocket. Exactly. Pickpocket. <laughs> <laughs> pickpocket. The pickpockets, exactly. Pickpocket now has, I mean, has two I don't know if if you play if you play in uh, uh, Iron Maiden. I don't know where you keep your picks, but I mean, there's probably some. Maybe a sh- you have a, a a pouch or something. Yeah, and those guys never drop their picks. They're true professionals. No, <laughs> <laughs> they they glue them on before the show. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. uh, how you do something it. Something like that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, good choice anyway. Smart, I didn't though. say a good choice. Uh, this riff rules, and uh, this album is great. And um, Rush, I hadn't really, they hadn't crossed my mind so far in the context of uh, gain it for riffs. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, there, there are a lot. If you look at any other song, I mean, there, there is for sure a couple of uh, uh, chords here that are, you know, outside of the rock range. Uh, uh, in the in the let, let me play. I, I'm gonna play it anyway. I, I, I like it so much. All right. Uh, let's see. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I kind of messed it up there, but there is uh, a kind of a minor 11 thing going on. It's uh, G, G sharp minor 11, I think. Uh, good to, uh, good for singing on top of it. That's the chorus, right? Uh, the universal, yeah, uh, universal dream. It's, it's a, I think it's the verse. It's verse. Strong? Oh, is it? Is it? I thought it was the chorus. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let, let me double check. Let me double check. No, it's the, it's the okay. verse. Oh yeah, you're right. It's the verse, the part where the verse drops into a six four. There's similar stuff. It's also in the in the chorus. Yeah, that's it's the same. But uh, yeah, that was an, uh, a thing I wanted to say. Also, the uh, how how this kind of uh, even though we, we we mentioned a lot of things are going on here. There are odd time signatures. There are uh, you know they they start they are syncopated. Uh, hits on the notes there is uh it's it's a lot like it is but they, they have it's still quite economical in the way they use the same riff uh in different shapes and forms you know uh in, uh, to get you know a, a momentum that the that the song keeps on going and uh, i would like to uh, just play the start again sure um uh to highlight that uh, and then we can say what you what you say yeah so i mean there's just a small change sure sure and i think know, that speaks like, to the fact that the band um uh, did have um, collective sessions. It's not just a sole mm. writer, so you get a little bit of that jamminess to it, that you stay in the same figures, mm. but you're trying to find new ways to project the same notes. And uh, that gives a really good red thread. I'm not sure if that's an English term, like a thread throughout, <laughs> anyway, like a, the song has a spine, you could say. It's a, it's a swinglish, swinglish uh, word. Swinglish word, thread, thread perfectly. Would say. That means, anyway, that means that something is kind of... Um, Putting the whole thing together, uh, similarities are yeah. are making it a cohesive piece. Exactly. I mean, the the, the opposite thing is uh, here comes another Swedish word, uh, riffstapel. Yeah. Uh, how would you? Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> what would you call that? Uh, translate that. Rose of. But you know what riffs? I mean. I don't know. It's. Uh, I know what that it would, means. It means that you kind of you know just going from riff to riff. And some bands do this great. Some bands maybe not so great. It's uh, quite common in a metal context. I would say uh, mm. Metallica is often doing this. Uh, now we mention yeah. them again. And uh, I don't know <laughs> bands like Merciful Fate, uh, <laughs> such gangs. They uh, they do a lot of uh, riff stapling. Which uh, I don't yeah, know. Like riff, a, riff piling, maybe. Riff, yeah, riff, a row of riffs. I don't know. Mm. Uh, it's the riff piling. Riff I piling. Think. It's riff on the piling pile. is the word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, then in that case, uh, you know, like when you do that, there's no really like you go from one riff and then you jump to the next one just because you know you want you catch the momentum by just changing from from one thing to another. I mean, that can be uh, super uh, effective, like in. Uh, uh, last week's song, uh, the Pantera song, where you go from the troll riff into the crushing riff. True, true. Uh, the cross yeah, riff. Yeah, that one is done so uh, well that it's not even riff piling anymore. But it's actually, yeah. it actually is, but it's just done so well, so it kind of graduates out of that league. It's a fine line to keep the red thread going. Yeah. 
let's keep it at that. Uh, okay, I think that's uh, that's all I had to say about Rush and Limelight. Uh, it's a beautiful song, and uh, maybe I'll just play it one more time. Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Cool riff, uh, cool band. Uh, I'm glad we touched on Rush, and I'm sure that uh, could happen again. It's like a real power trio, I would Definitely. say. Where they've always been mm. three equal members, and they say that that's a good thing because they can never have two camps in the band. Uh, if two people want to no. do something, the third one kind of has to adapt to the trio. If one guy wants something mm. and the other two are hesitant, he can't really force them. So they have a good thing going there. And they stayed at, with the same mm. lineup for God knows how many years. Uh, 40 years? No, I, I mean, until last year. Yeah, you know, yeah 40 years uh, plus. Um, they stayed together yeah. as that trio. And um, what a cool band. And I like the fact that they are mm. unapologetically nerdy as well. It's a real nerds band. Mm. And uh, mm. also the guitarist would be probably the least... Um, flamboyant musically which is usually mm. the other way around right so he kind of grounds the exactly. band in a way that he, he plays a lot of chords mm. and uh, quite musical approach rather than um, athletic which i like mm. Uh, one thing I, I, I watched uh, a lot of videos of him explaining his uh, his riffing and soloing in this song and other songs. It, he, that he's just a very humble and generous guy. Uh, you should definitely watch watch his videos. Uh, they're on YouTube. So uh, as hard recommend, hard recommend. Uh, yeah, there's lots of good content with um, Rush on YouTube, and all of them are very well spoken as well so i enjoy just listening to interviews and the way they reply and uh, what they have to say really there's a lot of good material surrounding this band and um, i'm gonna go ahead and go into my riff of this week and i think you will recognize it uh, let's see and mm -hmm. it's a little bit of a challenge to play it i'm gonna play it centers around one riff but i'm gonna play some surrounding uh, things too because it gives Ooh. context to the riff Oh, I like something that. like that. I like that. Got a little carried away there, but that happens with this. Race. Wow, that's so cool! Uh, I, I I heard this riff the other day, 
And I, now I'm a bit stumped uh, because I'm wondering if it's uh, uh, <laughs> Dio or Merciful Faith or Rainbow. It's one of those three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I listened to a lot to these bands uh, this past week. And, uh, is it Stargazer? It is uh, the right album and the right artist. So you're really close. Ooh. Uh, I'm just gonna say it. It's a, a, a light yeah, in the black. Woman. The song after. Oh no, <laughs> Tarot Woman. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. This, this was hard. I mean, uh, uh, I'm, uh, it's from. Uh, okay, you, you're gonna you're gonna get into it. I think, but there is a, a cover of a bunch of uh, exactly exactly uh, rainbow songs, rainbow and Dio song by. Uh, yeah, I real I realized this, that we're gonna have to mention Metallica <laughs> again. I realized it when I picked oh, no. it okay. because they did the Ronnie Rising <laughs> medley as a kind of tribute to to Ronnie after his passing, and uh, and it opens with this riff from A Light in the Black from the album Rising <sighs> by Rainbow, of course, Richie Blackmore's band, and he's also the riff meister and uh, solo god on this record. So it's it's really his band, yeah. and Dio is of course the lead vocalist. And then uh, with them is uh, an amazing drummer, Cozy Powell, as well as a cool mm. bass player in Jimmy Bain. But yeah, this is all about the riff. So um, yeah, uh, this is a cool opening riff, right? Uh, it's fantastic. I mean, uh, what I just thought of now, like there, there's a, a clear distinction between the Purple era Richie Blackmore and uh, Rainbow oh, yeah. Richie Blackmore. It's so different. I feel like here maybe he gets to do what he really wants to do, or actually really wanted mm. to do at the time. I should add, it has more. It's more yeah. metal. It's more medieval. I mean, for 1976, I do believe it's 1976. I hope I'm right here. Yep. Because I don't have the facts in front yep. of me. But from that year, this riff is, uh, I would say, very metal. Right. It's uh, you had Black Sabbath with all their heavy riffs, and uh, they are, of course, already very metal. But this pro gives another side of metal that would be very prominent over years to come and still is this kind of um, speedy driving uh, force of metal with a little bit of the medieval yeah. to it. I, it's, uh, it sounded really nice when you played also. I was really, uh, really got really excited. Like, oh, I know this riff. Oh, but which <laughs> yeah, one exactly. is it? Which one is like, it? I, no, I, I'm, gonna, I'm sure you I'm would guess. I'm going to have to guess. Uh, get near, but uh, it's hard to know exactly which one it is because... Uh, that happened to me as well. Uh, a friend of mine played it, and I was like, oh, is that Stargazer? No, okay, it's the song after. And it's interesting, uh, <laughs> that kind of the, um, combination, because Stargazer, it's such a good song, and it sounds like an epic finisher. And then another song comes, and I'm always thinking, what more could they do at this point? They've already, like, the sky has exploded. <laughs> what can you do after Stargazer? <laughs> and then uh, they come in with this absolutely unrelenting eight and a half minute song with no slow parts no clean parts it's just lasting for eight minutes and ooh, after you know when you've heard yeah. that song yeah. you need like a break for a minute afterwards uh, maybe a cigarette if you're into that <laughs> <laughs> or a snooze maybe that, uh, yeah, that, nice. that would be for me Something, uh, be, i don't smoke it, cigarettes so uh, yeah but uh, you know it's just uh, ooh, it's a uh, uh, it's a bit of a hitter and i've heard um rumor that uh, it was a technique of uh, Richie's because he, he's a famously a bit of a legendary asshole <laughs> or legendary douche and uh, when he tried <laughs> out drummers what he would do apparently is that he would play a very fast riff and just never stop it and see how long can they go for 
like actually torturing the drummer in a sense. <laughs> oh, and, no. and Cozy Powell was uh, <laughs> on for about 20, 25 minutes when, when he tried this on him. And okay. Of course, he was hired. Yeah, nice. I mean, that that's surely is enough. Uh, I don't think they ever, he ever wrote a song over 20 minutes, right? Uh, no, they they stay around that time, which it was uh, is already very long for for the era. Or actually, the prog bands with longer songs. But for this hard rock style, it, these songs are long. And the B side of uh, Rising is just those two songs, Stargazer and A Light in the Black. So it's kind of a perfect oh, yeah. vinyl side, yeah. I would say. Fantastic. Just to kind of break it apart a little bit, this riff is uh, very E minor. I would call E minor supremacy. <laughs> Almost, you know, it's just. <laughs> Very much in the natural E minor with no passing notes, no chromatic uh, notes or anything like that. It stays in E minor, but it gets great tension. And then as, as uh, Dio is singing, he stays on kind of um, single notes on um, first D a couple of times and then C one time. And after he's on the C, the riff rises, uh, no pun intended, the riff rises to A minor for a bit, which makes this really <laughs> energetic feeling. And from off of that, they, of course, enter the, the chorus riff. So it's a good combination of riffs. I'm, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to refresh everyone with another playthrough. That's the main one, and then uh, they go into the verse. set of riffs right well, it's really fun it's really fun riff i had to practice it for a bit because you're talking uh, richie blackmore so yeah. I, obviously i had to practice it a bit to to kind of um, get the right tone and on the previous episodes i've been using a delay but mm. uh, richie blackmore is famously dry so i had to skip it for this episode makes it even harder to make it sound good <laughs> mm. there is something uh, i mean the, you, i as a as a uh, a tab player, I recognize these notes. They are very well situated on the middle of the neck, where I like to be when I riff, yeah. uh, especially uh, uh, where, where a lot of metal uh, likes to be. Also, when it's uh, being riffed, uh, but there is it's quite uh, difficult to get to the notes. They're surprisingly far away when you're like, okay, ah, how should I hold my hand here? Actually, like the jump from the. Uh, what is it? Yeah, the fourth fret to the seventh fret, like from the uh, for, from the fourth to the fifth string. It's yeah, it's a bit. It's not that. Uh, it doesn't come that easy. I must I say. I play that uh, note on the fifth string. Actually, I play it on the ninth fret of the fifth string instead. Um, oh, okay, okay, sharp. Okay. Sharp ah, note, so I, I'm not using ooh. more than two strings except for the rising part when it rises to uh, A or uh, of course the power chords I'm using several strings on and the chorus but um, it's a hard riff and he's so rhythmical as well you forget that about about him that he's very rhythmical and kind of funky even though he despised funk and called it shoeshine music <laughs> but he's funky <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Oops. Very cool riff and uh, <laughs> yeah, again the song doesn't stop. It's just just mashing through the whole song and then some awesome solos and of course they got Dio at the helm, so nothing could go wrong mm. there, right? Uh, Dio himself, mm. he said that he felt that this album was overly um, self-indulgent, that uh, too much show off. But I think that's more because <laughs> of his uh, kind of uh, falling out with Richie that he has this attitude because really it's an album to be proud of, I think. Yeah. So, so was was that their last album together? Uh, or? They did one more, uh, "Long Live Rock and Roll," okay. with the uh, famous oh, yeah. for the song um, "Gates of Babylon" as well as "Kill the King." Great songs, great album mm. too. Oof. Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, and then Dio went on to become a successful solo. Uh, yeah, first uh, he was in artist, Sabbath. He was course. in Sabbath first. He went from Rainbow to Sabbath, so he was with Richie and then with Iommi. I mean, how how, how cool is that? Uh, yeah, the, the, but that's where I wanted to go actually, because I mean, okay, he played with. Uh, how much did Rainbow influence Tony Iommi when Dio started playing with them? Because I mean, it's a similar shift yeah. into the more heavy metal uh, '80s style, sure, sure. a bit uh, new wave of heavy, British heavy metal uh, style of music. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, the switch you'd addressed before from. Um uh, the Purple, Mark 2 and 3, into Rising, uh, how Ronnie kind of switched, uh, no, how, how mm. Richie kind of switched. It's similar to look at the switch in Sabbath, going from the Aussie oh, yeah. into Heaven and Hell, right? Be of course. It becomes more medieval and more, yeah, I think it influenced him a lot. And uh, Tony has addressed this, that it's simply because Dio was a better singer than Ozzy, and uh, suddenly they could do new <laughs> things. And he's also a singer that sings on chords, whereas Ozzy yeah. sang on riffs. So they had to um, readapt uh, because of his singing. And I'm sure, I mean, obviously there was, must have been some rainbow in there because later also Tony recruited Cozy Powell, who drums on, or drums on this song and album. Oh, okay, there, there, are, okay, there, yeah. there are similarities there. And, um, and yet, I mean, obviously Tony and Richie are vastly different uh, guitarists uh, as far as style comes, but they both have this uh, huge integrity, like I'm going to do this uh, my way and no other, uh, which makes it interesting. Yeah. Like, actually could make a few albums with Dio, both of them, even though both had falling outs. Uh, but uh, the one with Tony and Geezer and Dio, that, that was later resolved because they made the reunion of that lineup. Uh, those three guys with um, uh, Vinny Apesy, and they made those Heaven and Hell gigs. I managed to catch one, and uh, it's very, very good sound. It's some of the best stuff that those guys have done on stage was the reunion of um, um, under the banner oh, wow. of Heaven and Hell. Very good. But before that, of course, they also did uh, fantastic Dehumanizer, who will probably get back to oh, yeah. this show. It's one of my favorite uh, albums uh, altogether. First time I heard it, I felt <laughs> it sounded weird. I didn't really understand uh, the product, but uh, now it's one of my favorite albums in every genre, actually. It's such a good album. Uh, wow. Is it, is it uh, one of the first digitally uh, recorded albums? Like, holy, or am I wrong? It has there? the sound of it, but it's from 94, I do believe. And uh, I think that uh, already in 88 or 87, some albums were recorded full on digital. So it's a few years in, but it still has that vibe of uh, early hard disk recordings sound wise. Yeah, but it it also has the 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 theme of computers, of course, a computer god, and uh, exactly. Well, TV crimes also is <laughs> <laughs> a very top, like a <laughs> contemporary topic. Yeah, yeah. every metal band had to do a song about TV evangelists there for a while. It's not only uh, yeah. 
TV Crimes, you also got Iron Maiden, Holy Smoke, and uh, before that, uh, you got Leper Messiah by Opes, Metallica. <laughs> oh, Oops. fuck. Uh, well, uh, with Dehumanizer also has my favorite uh, vocal intro of uh, Dio, which is uh, from Sins of the Father. Yeah. You know, I know it, right? it. I'm not going to try and recreate it. It's, it's not a good <laughs> idea to sing any Dio line <laughs> as an aspiring <laughs> semi uh, or, or amateur singer. No, it's not going to sound well. But uh, yeah, Sins of the Father has a great intro. I am the crazy man who lives inside your dreams, something like that. Uh, I am the crazy man who lives inside your head, but I guess I'm breaking through the wall. <laughs> Many good <laughs> so songs on that one. Uh, another cool one is Master of Insanity. Very evil mm. sounding song. I like it a lot. Yeah, uh, great album. But also, I think my one. It's actually it's fun. It's one of my first uh, direct connections to uh, metal was through the game Doom. Uh, the first person shooter from uh, well almost the same year as this album yeah uh, and they had a midi version of after all oh yeah they, they stole uh, it the yeah, they stole it and they also stole the uh, oh it's gonna be metallic again they stole uh, no remorse I think also for the main <laughs> riff the main riff in doom isn't it something like uh, something like that right uh, and exactly. that's very close exactly. to uh, no remorse by Metallica uh, yeah, and but I mean, when I heard uh, this after all riff in or like that, I, I realized that it was on this album that my brother had bought. It was just like, oh wow, okay, there's a connected world out there. Yeah, yeah. It's almost better than the two riffs we picked for this episode. What yeah, a riff. I know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this was this was the first time I played it, but it's super simple. Okay, cool. <laughs> it's yeah, very very simple. Yeah, I like uh, I like that we can give the listeners a bit of real time exploration because we're not uh, uh, great guitarists. We're good enough guitarists, I would say, but we're not great. So uh, <laughs> I, I I am I am like I'm, I'm I'm just like trying to keep it together. You know, I I was sweating bullets <laughs> yeah, before yeah, I started playing uh, Limelight. I'm gonna play Richie. You know, it's, it's almost <laughs> as bad an idea as to sing Dio. But I think this is what we have to do. We have to uh, uh, challenge ourselves. Uh, I think we say that every episode. But uh, uh, definitely for me, I always want to challenge myself with uh, getting better and better at riffing. And uh, hopefully you uh, will follow us on this uh, uh, expedition into the unknown. Yeah, into the, the kingdom of riffs. Riffdom. <laughs> <laughs> the riffdom. The riffdom. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's true. It's a good thing. And also... When you, if we can give you this, this spontaneous um, uh, kind of uh, real time uh, riffing, it adds something that would be lost if we just uh, practiced everything to perfection and pre recorded it and mm. put, push play. So um, you're going to have to yeah. live with a few mistakes, I think. It's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. But it's also fun. I mean, it's really fun. And it's, it's been so, uh, it's been very, uh, it's been exciting to practice for this uh, episode and also pick out the riff and actually okay but it's actually the first riff of the song the best one or is there something hidden you know in the exactly. middle and I, you know i had i had to pick up the the 
the later riff from uh, after the verse, you know, just kind of jump there because it's just like people should not miss this. It's so good, you know. You have this. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, exciting. I think that's just right because all riffs come in contexts, and uh, I did the same today that I, I played a bit of the verse uh, notes and um, yeah, you know the. the Kind of representing a bit of the structure of the song and uh, the context of the riff mm. and how it's used, and not only mm. the main riff. So I think all mm. that uh, is uh, it's just good to understand the riff further. I think, and even addressing other instruments, what the vocals are doing there, or uh, how it plays along with the drums and so forth. No, for sure, for sure. Um, let's see. Okay, so Rainbow. Uh, what happened to Rainbow? Did they ever reunite? Or they continued with other singers and. Now I'm yeah, not an okay. expert, so I don't know exactly who was in there. I'm quite sure um, the next singer after Dio was um, Bonnet, Graham Bonnet. Uh, and uh, I've heard yep. uh, I heard a song today for the first time uh, called Lost in Hollywood. And uh, what a great song, mm. what a cool song. Starts with an awesome okay. drum intro by Cozy Powell, which is dangerously similar to uh, Clive Burr's uh, drum fill in Murders in the Room Org on the Killers album. Uh, which was released two. It was released two years after, so I'm quite sure he had listened to Cozy and thought that I got to do this. <laughs> this is going to work in my band too. Okay, and, uh, it's the kind of theft that everyone should promote. Like that. That's such a good. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of a drum riff, and uh, to reuse it uh, again uh, with another band in another completely different song, uh, a mm. theft I can stand behind for sure. And yeah, Rainbow continued. Uh, the falling out between Richie and Ronnie was uh, very much about the lyrical content. Richie wanted to bring oh. in more sleaze, you could say, into the band, more like uh, songs about <laughs> oh, picking up okay. chicks and stuff. And, and Ronnie. Oh, okay, it was time for that. Yeah, now, after exactly. all the, the, the purple, ages uh, were coming. I guess he felt the winds, you know, and uh, Ronnie was very against <laughs> that. He wanted to stay topical in his fantasy land type lyrics. And, yeah. You know, I think. Uh, I don't think anyone was right or wrong there. You know, that's what you call musical differences, no. I guess. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, well, nowadays, I mean, the it, it the table has turned when uh, Richie Blackmore is uh, yeah. Now he's completely I mean, like he's not a playing metal anymore with uh, Blackmore's Night, uh, <laughs> a band that I have yeah. not listened to uh, at all, pretty much no. uh, at all. Well, but, uh, I saw. Uh, I think uh, for me, Richie is whatever he does, he's gonna be a hero in my book. And uh, and yeah. his attitude is so funny, so I couldn't, you know, yeah. I couldn't blame him for being a bit of an asshole because he's just doing it so well. <laughs> on the on on this album, on the Rising album, there's a song about an annoying group. He called, uh, uh, what the hell is it called again? Um, if if you go to the moon, she would follow you there. Uh, the lady starstruck, starstruck. The lady starstruck. Okay, starstruck. She's nothing but bad luck. <laughs> And in that song, I, <laughs> okay. he, he uh, told the backstory that uh, some French girl found out where he lived and made his way to made her way to his garden in England, mm. and he just saw some black hair popping out in his bushes, and his comment was that uh, I didn't know what was going on, so I sent my dogs on her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is Richard Blackwood being <laughs> Mr. Burns, like oh, yeah. <laughs> release the hounds. <laughs> well, then he added that they are nice dogs. Okay, yes, friendly oh, that's dogs. Good. It that's was just good. a way to um, to see what was going on with this uh, starstruck lady, uh, yeah. who is nothing but bad mm. luck. <laughs> <laughs> I saw uh, I, I saw uh, a short video from like 
uh, all these artists are doing now they're making videos for from their homes during the sure. uh, ongoing pandemic if you're listening to this 10 years from now i i hope you're doing fine and uh, you survived it but right now you uh, you wouldn't survive if you listened to uh, blackmore's nights uh, hate song directed towards the coronavirus it's absolutely terrible <laughs> don't go there yeah. it's not a recommendation it's a hard I'm pass i'm not going to listen to it but to be honest if i had the opportunity to see them live i i would um, i mean not here okay. in sweden or something but if it was in a scenic castle like they do some castle gigs yeah but why not that would on, be kind of cool i would on go the there middle, like, uh, mi- medieval week on in uh, visby <laughs> yeah, i'd put on a cape i'd put on some uh, robin hood <laughs> boots and i'd go there and be in it you know i think that could be nice yeah. because he's a great uh, player of all these uh, pretentious instruments like lute and stuff he he does it very well so yeah, I'd like to see that, but uh, as far as their albums go, I'm probably not going to check them out anytime soon. Uh, no. Maybe a, a reunion of uh, Deep Purple, maybe. Yeah. That would be and something. Like, uh, That's never going to happen. <laughs> but Black, uh, I think they shouldn't do that. They tried. They did it once in 84 or 83, 83, 84 <laughs> for, uh, 84 for uh, Perfect Strangers, which is a cool album, but uh, that one didn't last particularly long, and yeah, it's been done once. A band shouldn't reunite the same lineup twice because, you know, uh, fool me once, fool me twice, yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> okay, uh, will you play us out with your uh, with your riff from... Uh, from Rising, uh, the album Rising, uh, the band Rainbow, and uh, the song A Light in the Black. <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of Gain It For Riffs, where we covered Limelight by Rush and Light in the Black by Rainbow. Yeah, thank you, Ole. Uh, great fun, as always. And uh, thank you, listeners. If you want to support us for free, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. Helps us rise in the algorithms um, for more riff freaks to find the one and only riff podcast. Thank <laughs> you.